Chapter Two of the Old Tobacco Shop. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Old Tobacco Shop by William Bowen. Chapter Two. Aunt Amanda and the Two Old Codgers. Here's Aunt Amanda," said the hunchback, standing before the lady who was sitting near the window, and letting go of Freddy's hand. "'And here's a boy that Mr. Punch pretty near got hold of, if I hadn't come along just in time, and hustled him in here. Just look out of that window, Aunt Amanda, and see if Mr. Punch has moved yet.' The lady did not look out of the window, but stared at Freddy with her mouth shut tight. She had very thin lips, and she pressed them tight together, and without opening them more than a wee mite, she said to the hunchback sternly, "'Obili lackey, you mump to on Freddy could not understand this at all. He looked at her closely. She was very thin, and had a high beaked nose, and reddish hair, and a reddish skin, and on the left side of her chin was a mole, with three little reddish hairs sticking out of it. She wore a rusty black dress, very tight above the waist, and very wide below, and in the bosom of this dress were sticking dozens, maybe hundreds, for all Freddy could tell, of pins and needles. She must have been very tall when she stood up. A cane leaned against the back of her chair. She was a little lame, not very lame, but enough to make her limp when she walked, and to make her cane useful in getting about. If she had had a stiff, starched ruff about her neck and a lace thing on her head pointed in front, she would have done very well for Queen Elizabeth, the one you see the picture of in that history book. There was a thimble on the second finger of her right hand, and a pair of scissors hung by a tape at her waist, and around her neck she wore a measuring tape. On the floor at her feet lay a pile of goods, and some of it was in her lap, the kind of goods that Mother has around her when she is turning and making over that old blue serge, and gathers up out of father's way when she hears him coming in towards the sitting-room at aunt amanda's elbow stood an oval marble-topped table and beside a work-basket there were several fascinating things on it in the centre was a glass dome and under the glass dome was the most beautiful basket of wax flowers calla lilies mostly with a wonderful yellow spike like a finger sticking up out of each one on one side of the wax flowers was a thick book with blue plush covers and the word album across it in slanting gold letters on the other side was a kind of a well it had a handle under a piece of wood to hold it up by and a frame at one end to stick up a picture in and two pieces of thick glass in a frame at the other end to look through at the picture and make the picture look all you know as if the people in the back were a long way behind and the people in front close up in front and all that freddy's father had one the chairs in the room had thin curved legs and those slippery horsehair seats which freddy hated to sit on on the walls were portraits in oval frames of men with chin whiskers and no moustaches and ladies in shawls and bonnets but there was one square frame and it had no picture under the glass but a sheaf of real wheat standing up as natural as life with some kind of curly writing over it it was simply beautiful there was a clock on the marble mantelpiece tall and square cornered with a clear circle in the glass below where you could see the round weight of the pendulum go back and forth 
and a picture of the sun on the face very red with a big nose and eyes and stiff red hair floating off from it aunt amanda stuck a pin in the goods in her lap and folded her hands freddy after glancing around the room looked at her again and wondered who she was plain sewing she was that was sure also an aunt and besides that though freddy did not know it she was an old i hate to say it though it wasn't anything really against her if you come to that an old well you know what you call them behind their backs or shout after them as they go down the street and then whip around the corner when they turn just simply because they haven't ever been married like mother well then an old maid being an old maid she of course wore no wedding ring but on her wedding finger the third finger of her left hand there was a mark at the place where a wedding ring would have been a kind of birthmark ruby red in shape and size like the ruby stone of a ring freddy looked at it often afterwards now you look here aunt amanda said her nephew taking hold of freddy's hand again you know well enough i can't understand you with all them pins aunt amanda put a hand to her lips and drew out of her mouth a pin and stuck it in the bosom of her dress she put her hand to her lips again and drew forth another pin and stuck it in the bosom of her dress she drew forth another and another and stuck each one in her dress freddy's eyes opened wide did this lady eat pins her mouth seemed to be full of them didn't they hurt it didn't seem possible she could eat them and yet there they were no wonder she couldn't talk plainly there seemed to be no end to the pins but there was and at last her mouth was clear of them so that she could talk toby littleback said she you're up to one of your tricks again ain't you ashamed of yourself that was what she had meant by saying oh belly lucky you mupped one with her mouth full of pins toby was quite crestfallen well he said i guess it ain't no hanging matter all i done was to bring the boy in to see you and this is what i get for it every time i ain't a-going to bring him in any more that's flat let go of the child said aunt amanda sharply can't you see you're hurting his hand come here boy mr littleback dropped freddy's hand and walked over to the table beside his aunt freddy came forward timidly and stood at aunt amanda's knee she examined him carefully it's the best one yet she said boy do you know you're as pretty as a well anyway what is your name if there was one thing freddy loathed it was to be called pretty he had heard it before in the parlour at home when he had been trotted out to be inspected by female visitors and he had tried many a time to scrub off the rosy redness from his cheeks but he had found it only made it worse he hung his head a little and could not find his voice aunt amanda took his chin in her hand and gently held up his head it's all right my dear said she what is your name now freddy said the little boy it ain't neither cried mr littleback there ain't no such name it's freddy come on now say freddy freddy said the little boy no no cried toby try it again now say freddy toby said aunt amanda shut up freddy i haven't any little boy and i don't get out very much and i'd like you to come and see me sometimes would you like to do that freddy stared at her and said 
yes'm i hope you will often be sure you do i suppose you don't like gingerbread toby the little hunchback went out briskly through a back door and returned with a slice of gingerbread baked to-day said his aunt but what time is it quarter to six too near supper time you mustn't eat it now freddy toby wrap it up toby went into the shop and returned with a paper sack and putting the gingerbread into it gave it to freddy now said aunt amanda take it home with you and eat it after supper will you come to see me yes m said freddy as if he meant it you couldn't get gingerbread at home between meals every day in the week that's a good boy now run away home please sir said freddy holding out the money in his hand my father wants half a pound of cage roach minchner what oh said toby i see half a pound of stagecoach mixture all right young feller come along into the shop good-bye freddy and don't break the gingerbread before you get home said aunt amanda taking into her mouth a palmful of pins with a back toss of her head had she swallowed them freddy stared at her in alarm ain't you never coming for the tobacco said toby i can't keep all them customers in the shop waiting all day freddy followed him into the shop you'll have to wait your turn young feller said toby i can't keep these customers waiting no longer what shall you have mr applejohn freddy looked around for mr applejohn but so far as he could see there was no one in the shop but himself and mr littleback the hunchback went through the swinging gate and stood behind the counter and looking over it his head and shoulders just came over the top at mr applejohn no said toby we're just out of it very sorry but i have something just as good no well then come around to-morrow yes sir between ten and eleven now then tom it's your turn you want what no sir i won't sell no cigarettes to no boy so you can clear out you ought to be ashamed of yourself smoking cigarettes at your age no use arguing i won't do it you can get right out of here the big wooden-looking head winked an eye at freddy that's the way i treat em did you see how it skipped off in a hurry you saw him go didn't you freddy looked at the door he hadn't seen anybody and after all that talk there must have been somebody there he couldn't be sure probably he had been mistaken about it grown-up people ought to know what they were talking about perhaps he had seen somebody he hesitated i think so i believe so yes sir don't you fool yourself young man you can't smoke cigarettes if you ever want to grow up look at me do you see this he turned his back and reached over his shoulder to his hump cigarettes that's what done it cigarettes i smoked em along with my bottle of milk regular when i was a kid and look at me now not much bigger than mr punch out there cigarettes maybe you might think it was the bottle of milk done it instead of the cigarettes being as they was at the same time but don't you never believe it cigarettes you keep off em now pipe tobacco that's a different thing if only i'd stuck to a pipe along with that bottle of milk look how high i'd a been now what kind of tobacco did you say your father wanted housewife's favourite no sir said freddy my father wants a half a pound of cage roach minchner that's it said toby i don't see how i come to forget that name your father's a man of good common sense nothing like cage roach 
here it is he turned to the shelf behind him and mounted a little ladder and took down a large tin while he was scooping out the tobacco at the counter and weighing it on the scales and doing it up he was singing to himself and freddy stared at him with rapt attention some day said mr littleback without pausing in his work or looking at freddy them eyes o' yourn will pop right out o' your head if you ain't careful did you ever hear that song no sir said freddy would you like to hear it yes sir said freddy it's about two old codgers friends of mine they come in here regular one of them's a good customer and pays spot cash the other one never buys nothing and i can't say which one of em i like worse anyway here's how it goes oh there was an old codger and he had a wooden leg and he never bought tobacco when tobacco he could beg don't you never let yourself get into that habit young man always buy your tobacco fair and square i've known em this feller and many another one never have a grain of tobacco left in their pouch just use up the very last bit two minutes before and always a begging a pipeful and right here in my own shop too where i sell tobacco mind you i'd like em better if they sneaked in and stole it i would any day but the other one i don't know that i'd want to be him neither if i had to choose between em however another old codger as sly as a fox and he always had tobacco in his old tobacco box count on him for that he never begs no tobacco nor gives away none either however he ain't such a general nuisance as the other one and he pays spot cash i'll have to say that much for him but in spite of everything and all i can't seem to make myself care for him much anyway said the one old codger when she give me a chew said the other old codger i'll be hanged if i do they're a fine pair now ain't they one of em's a nuisance and the other one a grouch you'll see em both here in my shop one of these days when you're visiting aunt amanda and one of them times you see the way i bounce that boy that wanted cigarettes didn't you well that's what i'm going to do to them two old codgers one of these days you watch and see if i don't yes sir both of em as sure as i've got a hump on my back but it's pretty good advice after all what the song says so save up your pennies and put away your rock and you'll always have tobacco in your old tobacco box here's your cage roach give me your money there's your change five ten fifteen seventeen now run along come back again what did you say your name was freddy you mean freddy don't you yes sir why don't you say what you mean well freddy there's plenty of tobacco left in this shop so you can come in whenever the old tobacco box at home runs out and don't forget to come in to see aunt amanda plenty of goods left in the shop whenever you see all that he pointed up towards the shelves i'll tell you something i ain't told to but mighty few people before there's a jar of smoking tobacco up there that's just plain magic magic you know what that means freddy started and looked up at the shelves in alarm he nodded it's that one on the middle shelf the chinaman's head do you see it he pointed to a white porcelain jar shaped like a human head freddy could see that it was the head of some foreign kind of man with a little round blue cap on top which was probably the lid that tobacco in that chinaman's head is magic as sure as you're alive i wouldn't smoke it if you give me all the plum puddings in this city next christmas no sir and i wouldn't allow nobody else to smoke it neither i just naturally wouldn't dare to do you know where that tobacco come from a sailor off one of them ships down there in the harbour that come all the way from china 
"'Yes, sir, China. "'Give it to me once for a quid of plug-cut, "'what you might call broke he was, "'and it wasn't any use to him because he didn't smoke, "'but he did chew, and he told me all about it. "'He stole it from an old sorcerer in China "'where he'd just come from. "'Don't you never touch it. "'I wouldn't want to be in your boots "'if you ever smoked that tobacco in that there Chinaman's head.' "'You can steal anything else in this shop, "'and it wouldn't do much harm to anybody. "'But you keep your hands off that Chinaman's tobacco. "'Mind what I'm telling you.' "'Yes, sir,' said Freddy. "'He had never thought about smoking before "'in connection with himself, "'but now, for the first time, "'he began to wish he knew how to smoke. "'It would be worth risking something "'to take a whiff or two of the magic tobacco "'in that Chinaman's head, "'just to see what would happen.' "'Do you think you'd better go home now?' said Mr. Littleback. "'Yes, sir,' said Freddy. "'My father told me to hurry.' "'Oh, he did, indeed.' The hunchback followed Freddy to the door, and they looked up together at the clock in the church tower. "'Ah,' said Toby, "'you're safe. Just six o'clock. Mr. Punch's father can't come out for about another half an hour yet.' Freddy looked back as he crossed the street and saw the live hunchback leaning against the wooden hunchback with one foot crossed over the other. He could hardly tell which was which, except for the coat and breeches. He went on up the street with his package of tobacco in one hand and his package of gingerbread in the other. As he passed the church, he lingered a moment to stare at the great fat man with spectacles, who was sitting on the pavement in a chair tilted back against the church wall, smoking a long pipe and reading a newspaper. Could this be the sextant of the church whom Mr. Toby had mentioned? and who had heard the queer noises from the top of the tower when Mr. Punch and his father were up there having their high jinks. He tried to get up his courage to ask the fat man about it, but he could not get the words out. He stared so long that the fat man finally put down his paper and took the pipe from his mouth and looked over his spectacles and said, "'Are you considering making a bid for the property, young man? I'll see what the senior church warden has to say about it. How much do you offer?' "'No, sir,' said Freddy, blushing in confusion, and went on up the street. He understood nothing of what the fat man had said, but he caught the word churchwarden and remembered it. He did not walk very fast, for he had a good deal to think about. So many things had never happened to him in one day before. He dwelt especially in his mind on the two old codgers who were friends of Mr. Toby, and he supposed that his own father never saved up his pennies, otherwise his old tobacco-box would not be empty every now and then. However, he was glad that his father was a spendthrift, because it would give him a chance to go to the old tobacco-shop sometimes for more tobacco for the box, and apart from Aunt Amanda and her gingerbread, he was very anxious to look again at the Chinaman's head in which lay the magic tobacco, which he must not touch. One thing was sure— he would never go without looking carefully first at the hands of the clock. He wished he knew how to smoke, only not cigarettes. He shivered when he thought of the terrible consequences. When he came to the streetcar track, the horse-car was going past. At least it was coming down the street, and he did not want to be run over by that horse. He had better wait, for the horse was trotting. His mother had warned him about it. He sat down on the curb. He had quite a moment or two to wait, and there would be time to give a hasty glance at the gingerbread. He laid the tobacco sack beside him on the curb, and opened the other package. The car-horse had dropped into a walk, and his bell was hardly jingling. There was no hurry, after all. 
It would never do to cross in front of that horse, even though he was walking. He looked at the gingerbread. It was fresh and soft, and its smell, when held close to the nose, was nothing less than heavenly. It was a pity it had to be hidden away again in the sack, but the horse was going by and the danger would soon be past. He held the gingerbread under his nose, merely to smell it. The edge of it touched his upper lip by chance, and there was something peculiar about the feel of it. He couldn't tell exactly what. It was very interesting. He touched it with the tip of his tongue, to see if it felt the same to his tongue as to his lip. It was just the same. Perhaps teeth would be different. His teeth sank into it, just for a trial. The horse was going by now, and the driver was looking at him. He forgot what he was about in watching the horse and his driver as they went on past him. The gingerbread completely slipped his mind, and when he turned his head back from the horse-car and came to himself, he found, to his amazement, that his mouth was full of gingerbread. He wondered at first how it got there, but there was no use in wondering. There it was, and it had to be swallowed. His mother would never approve of his spitting it out and so, to please his mother, he swallowed it. The horse-car was nearly a square away. He could cross the track at any time now. There was no hurry. When he came into the two-fine-story brick house where he lived, with only one package in his hand, his mother threw up her hands and said, "'Why, Freddy, where on earth have you been? Did you get lost? Are you hungry?' "'No, m'm. Yes, m'm,' said Freddy. "'Frederick?' said his father, looking at him with that look. "'Where have you been? Didn't I tell you to hurry?' "'Yes, sir, to Mr. Punch's, and I didn't see his father at all, "'but the hands comed right over the top of each other, "'and he didn't get down off his perch, he didn't, "'so Mr. Toby took me in to see Aunt Namanda, "'and she eats pins, and it's cigarettes that gives you that hump on the back, "'only tobacco's all right, cause you smoke it in a pipe, "'and it doesn't do you any harm at all, "'and that's what Mr. Toby says, and he ought to know.' "'cause he's got one in his back his own self. "'But you mustn't touch that tobacco in the head, "'cause it's magic and the sailor said so, "'and here's the rage-coach Michener. "'And that's all.' "'You will notice that he said nothing about the gingerbread.' End of chapter 2